Jesus says, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good, and lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Let's pray. Father, again, we come to you. And I just ask that you help us with your Holy Spirit, that you guide us so that we might open up our hearts and our minds and our souls to you at this time. I pray that the songs that we have sung, that the prayers that we have prayed, the words that we have read, have been glorifying to you, have been like a sweet sensation to you, have been lifted up to you in worship and in praise. And God, I ask that as this time comes this moment that you humble my heart and that you remove from me my words, my desire, and that you just you use your spirit to guide me, that you use your spirit to speak through me, that your truth and your desire is all that is proclaimed. It's in your precious son's name we pray through the Holy Spirit. Amen. The last few weeks, we've been in the sermon series titled Reckless Christianity with the desire that we become reckless Christians for Christ, which means we throw every comfort, comfort this world can give us out the window and fearlessly step out in order to follow Jesus in whatever direction God desires. Last week, we saw that to be a reckless Christian for Christ we are called to live our lives according to God's will, God's desire, not ours. It's God's way, not our way. We are called to daily bear the weight of the gospel message, message in every step we take through life. Be it Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. No matter what day it is, we are to bear the gospel. There are no off days in being a reckless Christian for Christ. There are no vacation days. From your first breath of accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior to your last breath on your deathbed, you are to give yourself over to living your life according to God's way, not your way. Today we take another step out into the life of a reckless Christian for Christ as we discuss the most annoying teaching. You see, some of Jesus' teachings are just plain annoying. You might be saying, how can you say that, Pastor? That's heresy. Hold on. Jesus' teachings are incredibly consistent 
And his theology is beautifully harmonious. So I'm not talking about that his teachings are annoying because Jesus is contradicting. Nor are they annoying because Jesus is putting the proverbial carrot just out of reach. Every command Jesus gives us is within our, our ability to grasp through the help of the Holy Spirit, of course. And it's not because Jesus is being condescending. Even when he is using strong language toward the Pharisees, he's doing so for the purpose of encouraging them to see the truth. In reality, in all truthfulness, some of Jesus' teachings are annoying because they are extremely hard and difficult to not only grasp, but even greater, greater to live out on a daily basis. When I hold on to, to something uh, someone said to me or, or did against me, not, giving, not forgiving them, that annoying teaching of Jesus that he gave during the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15, uh, rocks me to my core when he said that to forgive is to, is to be like God because to forgive, you have to forgive because God has forgiven. And we are called to be like Jesus. And forgiving is not forgetting, by the way. Forgetting is releasing of that burden. To live that out. To forgive on a daily basis is terribly difficult, is it not? When I claim to be a follower of Christ, but, and, but I'm acting out of my own desire, doing what I want, a little voice enters in my head and reminds me of that, little, that, that annoying teaching of Jesus given in Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? How many of us can say that we, every single moment of our lives, have done what God has said to do? How about when we get angry with someone? Jesus teaches in Matthew 5, 21-22 that if you are merely angry with someone, you have committed murder. You're judged on the same level as a murderer. It's so annoying to have the Holy Spirit whisper that passage into your ear when there is anger burning in your heart towards someone. And when I say annoying, it's humbling. And that's annoying to be humbled. There are so many hard and annoying teachings of Jesus that I could go on and on and on, but I won't. I do, though, want to talk about one of the most, if not the most, annoying teachings Jesus ever gives the apostles, the disciples, ever gives you and me. That teaching comes out uh, in Luke chapter 6, verses 32 through 36. The teaching we get from Jesus in this passage is uh, annoyingly difficult because, let's face it, most of us, not, maybe not all, but most of us prefer a tick-for-tack kind of love. This is the kind of love that says, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. The kind of love that says, if you love me, then I'll love you. The kind of love that has alternative motives. Marriage is supposed to be the greatest example of love that we as humans can express. Because marriage is hard, difficult. But we're still to love. 
the love found in marriage. It's supposed to be the epitome of the love Paul speaks of in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the love chapter. Now, Paul is actually speaking to the love that is to exist between brothers and sisters in Christ that make up the body of Christ. That's who he's actually speaking to, but has been used in just about every wedding service I've ever been a part of and ever been, uh, been to. That's because Paul beautifully expresses what true and unadulterated love is to look like between two people, an expression of the very basis of marriage. But yet, if you were to look at marriage within our community to define true love, you would have to walk away from it saying that love is selfish. Love is undermining, it's jealous and arrogant. That love is controlling, individualistic, and is all about passion and the physical touch. In our culture, love is not much more than a deep desire or want. Love in our culture asks the question, what can you do for me? How much do you love me? How can you scratch my back? This misguided, twisted, and perverse understanding of love is why divorce is so rampant within our culture and in our churches. In many relationships, maybe not even realizing it, each person twists love into a desire to have their inner cup selfishly filled rather than desiring to fill their partner's cup with love. Jesus tells us in verse 32 that this isn't love at all. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. Jesus is saying that the love expressed in the t this tick-for-tack type of love is not real love, not true love, not the love that he has called us as followers to have. That's how this world loves, and Jesus has called us to live not according to this world, right? But according to the kingdom of God. We are to live and love with the pure and unadulterated love that God expects within his kingdom. In the same fashion as love, Jesus tells us in verse 33 that if you do, not, uh, do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that for you? For even sinners do the same. Again, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Where's the love in doing something for some, someone only if they do something for you? That's how the world approaches love. That's how the world approaches doing good for somebody else. Jesus then gives an example in verse 34 for, uh, of doing something for someone if they will do something for you. If you lend to those who... Uh, from whom you expect to receive, then what credit is that for you? For even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. Don't you see, to love your neighbor is to offer them love without desiring anything in return. If they hurt you, if they say something wrong against you, if they manipulate you, you're to love them. In Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan, the Samaritan was only good because he truly loved the man who was left half dead. 
In his love, he clothed him. In his love, he gave him something to eat. In his love, he gave him somewhere to sleep. He gave the man, the dying man, hope without expecting the dying man to repay him anything at all. If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have been called to live a greater life of loving others. But bringing that to a practical state, how annoying is that teaching, right? It's much easier to show love to those who love us, isn't it? It's much easier to give somebody a hug out of your love for them when they want to hug you back, not when they want to knock you sideways. It's much easier to help out those who will help us, right? It's much easier to give money when you know they will repay you, right? It's much more difficult to love someone who hates you, despises you, who spits on your, in your face, as Jesus had done to him. It's much more difficult to help someone who has never offered you help. It's much more difficult to give money to someone who continually comes and asks for money when you know they're not going to repay you. It's much more difficult, isn't it? When you love those who hate you, you are considered reckless by this world. When you help someone without expecting them to help you, you are considered reckless by this culture. When you dig deep in your pocket and give them some of your hard-earned money, knowing that they're not going to repay you, not expecting them to repay you, you're not only considered reckless, but you're feared by Satan. For when you offer love, true love, unadulterated love, you are softening the impact of the work of the devil. The greatest evangelistic tool is to love. At my undergrad at Southeastern Bible College in Birmingham, Alabama, we had a, a March was a missionary month. And we had several missionaries around the world come. And it was, they had a, uh, like a, a panel, not a council, but a panel up on the stage. And they, they, the question asked, we were able to ask questions, and, and it was supposed to be one of those kind of panels. And one of the questions was, what is, what is the best way to, uh, to bring up uh, G, the, the uh, salvation offered through Jesus to them. What is the best way to approach somebody? And every single one on that panel said, you got to love them with God's love. You want to be feared by Satan? You want to be feared by the demon? You love as God loves. Just as Jesus says in verse 34, 35, love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Let this world twist love into nothing more than perverse, a perverse shell of what love truly is. But you, brothers and sisters in Christ, you love with pure love. You love with hopeful love. 
You love with victorious love. You love with reckless love. Don't love to receive anything this world can offer. When you love in in purity and hope and victory and with reckless abandonment, when you love with God's love, the treasures that last for all eternity will be waiting for you. But even in that, That's not a good enough reason to love. Because Jesus tells us that God himself loves the ungrateful and evil men. This is the key to what true love is all about. This is the key to what the the love that we are to share. Our love must come from our reverence for God. God loves, therefore we love. Just as God forgives, therefore we forgive. Our love for others is only good and right and pure and unadulterated when it is an extension of God's love. We in ourselves don't have the ability, the spiritual capacity, to recklessly love as Jesus has called us to love in following him. We can't do it. We are but sinners. And if left to us, we would love as sinners love. We would love as this culture says we should love. In our culture, in our culture's love, there is room for lying to your spouse, stealing from your neighbor, gossiping about your friends, and your non-friends. Holding yourself above others. In our own strength, this is the only kind of love we know. Only when our love is out of reverence of God's love, who sacrificed everything out of his love for us, out of his love for you and for me, are we able to love others as reckless Christians It is truly amazing how much God loves us, is it not? That cross is an example, a symbol of that. Even the best of us fall, but God still loves us. God loves the murderer. God loves the gossip. God loves the drunkard. God loves the ungrateful. God loves loves all, even when we do evil things. God's love for you and for me is wonderfully, beautifully, heart-stoppingly, magnificently, astonishingly annoying because we don't deserve his love. But yet he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Our love is to be a reckless love, for God's love is a reckless love. Even when we hate and despise God, do you realize that God loves you? And that God is showering you with compassion that is utterly ridiculous and reckless to this world. In just a few moments, we're going to listen to a song. If you know it, then great, and you can sing along if you like. But if you don't know it, 
It might be different from what you're used to, and you might not like the tune or whatever, but go beyond that and listen to the words. And they, they repeat the words, and I realize they repeat the words, but listen to them. Understand what the writer is trying to say. What he's saying about God's love. And think about what it means for us to love others. The song is How He Loves, and it was written by Mark McMillan, even though we're going to listen to David, um, whatever his name is. It's another guy singing it, but it was written by Mark McMillan, and it was following the death of his friend Stephen Coffey, a youth minister of Morning Star Ministry. On November 1st, 2002, during a church prayer meeting, Coffey, this youth minister, uh, uh, McMillan's friend, he prayed out loud, I'd give my life today if it would shake the youth of this nation. That very night, after the prayer meeting, that very night, he was in a multi-car accident and later died of serious injuries. Macmillan was in a recording studio when he got the news that his friend had died in a car crash. He took it extremely hard and was incredibly angry with God for allowing his friend to die. But even in his anger, Macmillan knew that God loved him. That though he was hurt and to the point of despising God to a degree, Macmillan knew that God loved him. So he wrote how he loved as an expression of God loving him, even though he himself was not loving God. Let's listen. Jealous for me Love's like a hurricane I am a tree Bending beneath The weight of his wind and mercy When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions Eclipsed by glory and I realize just how beautiful you are And how great your affections are for me and oh, how he loves us Oh, oh, how he loves us How he loves us all oh. like a hurricane I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy when all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory 
about where you're drowning in his love. The idea that this man was writing this out of, in a state of anger, in a state of almost hopelessness, but recognizing in that that he was still completely covered and overwhelmed with God's love, despite everything that's going on. That's pure, reckless love that God has for us. That's the pure and reckless love we're to have for others. Let's, let's pray. Father, I ask that, that you humble us before you. You truly do love us, and I don't think, I don't, I don't grasp how much you love us, how much you love me, how much you want me to fall on my knees before you, how much you want me to run into your arms. I don't think that I grasp it. I know I don't understand it fully and completely, God, but God, I just pray that we, as a body of believers here, brothers and sisters in Christ, that we come to an understanding that you purely and unadulteratedly love us and care for us. And have given up yourself for us. Just as you have said, there is no greater love than giving yourself up for another. You have done that. You love us, God. You love us beyond our imaginations. And all I ask is that you humble us so that when we walk outside these doors today, that we're going out and we're making disciples, that we're teaching all that you have commanded, and that we are baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we're doing all of that out of love, out of your love, not our love, because we are not perfect. We can't love the way you love us. We can only love with that type of love, that reckless type of love, when we submit to you. Give ourselves to you. 
God, that's my prayer for today. It's in your precious Son's name we pray through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace.